0: Wardcast episode 134, go! I'm Dale Alvento, and today I'm joined by Mike Rose, founder of No
1: More Robots. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. It it got uh, all of a sudden the last couple of days, it got really warm in the UK. and it, and it, we've just basically, it's been like Game of Thrones here for the last year, so uh, all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, I can't remember what to do in the sun. Oh, no way, I remember. we go outside and drink alcohol. So that's been my week, basically. It's been good. Do you just take
0: SPF 80, rub it on you? We
1: don't even bother, we don't even bother with that, mate. <laughs> we Honestly, we get so little sun that we'll let it burn us, because then it can show <laughs> that sun actually existed for a singular day, so... <laughs> Yeah, my,
0: my girlfriend, um, she's pretty pale and she, she's a school teacher and she went on a field trip yesterday and she's like, I got burned. I got burned because the sun's actually out. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, uh, but it like jumped up to like 80 degrees and then, it, and then it dipped back down to like 60. So it's been back to being cold over here.
1: Yeah, no, it's good stuff. It's, um, you know, and obviously because I'm British, I immediately had to jump to talking about the weather. Uh, so <laughs> I've ticked all of the boxes already this is this is going great you're a certified Englishman I really am yeah I really am And <laughs> you
0: in you're your based out of Manchester so don't we have to talk about football don't we have to uh, talk about Manchester united
1: please please don't please don't I, ha- I already i already have to uh I already have to pretend to like football enough as it is uh without having to do it on the internet as well. So okay, all right. Well, I'd, we'll I'd, I'd right. really know really how not like if anyone asks. Woo, city! Yeah, go city! Or maybe we're united. I don't care. <laughs> whoever whoever you like is who I like.
0: Awesome, sounds good. Yeah, that's what's great about being from Virginia because we have no major
1: sports teams, so mm. no one cares. Mm. I'd really like that. That would be really nice.
0: So, so how's it feeling going straight from PAX East to to EGX to? I, I mean, how are
1: you now? Are you dead? <clears throat> I'm pretty dead. Uh, well, I, I've re- I've I've recouped a little bit now. Uh, I wa- the, When I was at PAX, it was the most tired I have honestly ever been in my life, uh, and I just my inbox was just filling, and I could see people sending me urgent emails, and I was just like, no, no, <laughs> I will not respond to you because because I need to die now. Uh, on I think on the Saturday of PAX. Uh, I told the, the Ragequid guys, you know, who I've got the descenders booth with, I said I said to them, I'm just gonna take my bag back to the to the Airbnb. Just gonna take it back. I'll be back out in a second. Don't worry. Gone. Literally <laughs> they did not see me until half eight the next morning. Um ha, suckers. Yeah. Idiots. So yeah. <laughs> um that that was really nice. I enjoyed that sleep.
0: Yeah, it's uh Helping out the Finji booth, I was like, it was my first time seeing a, a pack's tear down. And that was quite a sight to behold. Because I've done smaller shows. It's like, all right, like, whatever. It's like people, union guys are going to come through and they're going to tear up the carpet, whatever. But like seeing it on that scale, especially where we were like next to the Blizzard booth, we you just watching the Blizzard booth slowly just be teared down by the, by the rafters.
1: Yeah. I, I was like, when they were setting up and I saw all of the, they had like a million TVs. At the Blizzard booth, and they were all, like, 82-inch or something. And I was like, I need to go and buy a couple of, like, 40-inch TVs. I wonder if I just stole a couple of these. They wouldn't even notice, would they? They would not even notice if I just borrowed a couple of their TVs. Because they've already got... I imagine Blizzard just... They're like, you know what? Let's just bring 30 more just in case, you know, there's an issue with 30 of them. (laughs) So I bet they wouldn't have even noticed. I should have just gone and asked. Um, But, yeah, that was... That was uh, it. It was def- It's definitely interesting seeing you know these gigantic companies what they do at things like PAX, uh, because I can't even contemplate they, they just spent more on TVs than the you know that than any of us make in like a year. <laughs> so I, I like probably longer than that. So so yeah, it's it's quite it's quite upsetting. Really,
0: <laughs> did you feel bothered by that we are completely obscured by the Blizzard booth, or did you like find that to be a benefit?
1: Uh, I, uh, I, uh, I mean, at first I was a bit like, oh god, mm. I mean, you know, it could be it could be better positioning, but actually in the end I didn't mind it because uh, because there was always someone there was always someone there playing, and uh, and as long as there's always someone there playing, what more do you need? Like that's the whole point, right? And we still got pretty busy as well. Like the Friday and the Saturday, especially, were just rammed at times. Uh, so so yeah. Um, I wasn't too worried. It would be nice if at PAX West we have um a more a more central spot and I hope that's gonna happen. But uh but yeah. I mean this that's how it works at PAX, right? You gotta work your way up to having a nice spot there. Uh you gotta you gotta show them you're serious first. So that's what that's what we've been doing.
0: Are you are you now a, a permanent edition of Playground? Or is that a,
1: a one off thing? I believe so. I believe as long as you know as long as I don't upset Rami. Uh, which might happen, you know. Um, I've just gotta just gotta make sure that uh, every little dig that I do at Rami, I then sort of follow it up, uh, with, with a compliment a com- with a compliment about you know uh, how he's really good at making games or he's he's great at not being at home, just something like that. Um, normally kind of helps to uh, to keep Rami happy. So yeah. <laughs> so packs over, egx Res over. What's what's
0: what's going on now just ramping up for game three uh
1: yes uh so so right now i've got um uh, we're doing xbox uh, for descenders right now and that's out next month uh and so that's quite stressful uh but we're doing okay with that and yeah then uh we've got the beta for um for not tonight happening at the start of may uh, and then announcing another game next week, which I guess by the time that people listen to this podcast will already have been announced. Hooray! Hooray! Uh, but yeah, that's that's my next month is announce game launch beta for game number two, and then launch Xbox version of game number one. Um. So, you no, know, fairly qu- quite a lot, <laughs> basically. Is that
0: the last the last platform for Descenders? Not counting Switch.
1: Uh so yeah so so for the kind of early access/game slash game preview version yeah um the plan then is that when the game gets to version 1.0 which I imagine will probably be early next year uh then it'll come out on PlayStation and Switch um possibly simultaneously I haven't, I I barely think like 3 months ahead let alone a year so um, <laughs> yeah I've not really de- I've not really decided on this yet so. Yeah,
0: I, ju- I just picked it up after I played it at the uh, at, at the booth at PAX, and uh, I, w- I was interested in, in why, uh, what was the decision making behind making it uh, early access as opposed to waiting for 1.0 for Descenders?
1: Um, mainly because we, because it's a mountain bike game, because not many people have made mountain bike games, we weren't really sure what people wanted from a mountain bike game. So we've made this thing and we were like, right, but like what if people wanted a million different things from this? So we decided to go early access so that we could like to get across the point, you know, we're not finished with this. If you want it to have A, B and C in it, uh, then let us know. And we're really glad we did it in the end because we've changed so much about the game because of feedback from people. So the game's doing incredibly well for us. And, you know, it's got like amazing user reviews. But we've still got people in the Discord saying, oh, it would be really cool if it did this, 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 and this. And because we're early access, we can go go do that. And we have been doing that. So the immediately when we launched it, people were like, oh, it would be good if uh, it had a free ride mode, though, where, you know, I could just kind of make my own level and then I could play it. So we were like, all right, fair enough. We didn't know you'd want that. So... Three, three weeks later, here it is. And then people are like, you know, we've seen a few different people like Northern Lion and people like that say, well, the roguelike stuff is cool, but it could be cooler. Uh, and maybe this and this element don't make sense from it. So the dev team were like, all right, do you know what? Screw it. Let's completely revamp and change the entire roguelike element of the game. So next month, there's a massive update coming out of the game, which is pretty much going to change the entire game. Uh, and and how everything in the game works um, and that's that's coming out with the Xbox launch uh, and, and of course if we'd come out 1.0 it would have been pretty weird if we'd done that, if someone had bought the game at 1.0 and then three months later it was an entirely different game they'd be like well I paid my money for this game and you've given me a different one, whereas because we said it's early access, people who own the game appreciate that this was always the plan to, to mess with it um so yeah, I, I think we're using early access possibly uh, in a more traditional sense of what early access was meant to be. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It, ju- it just, it made sense for us basically to do it this way. So, so that's what we did. I like with my second game, not tonight. That's obviously not going to be early access because it's a single player sort of linear story. So that would never make any sense just for Descenders. It did make sense so that is what we did
0: that that that's what it it looked like it was like all right this seems like a case-by-case basis kind of thing and descenders it makes the most sense with it that's interesting that you're getting feedback like that about the roguelike element because that was kind of like my main feedback for the game too is like i like this roguelike element but i wish there was just a mode where it didn't exist just so i could keep fucking up (laughs) and it'd be okay
1: yeah and this is this is all the stuff we're doing basically you know we're just we're, we're fiddling to hell with it uh and making it so that when we get to 1.0 cuz you know like it would be crap if it wasn't a full game now and it was we were just being like you're going to have to wait for next year when it's going to actually be playable but right now it is a full game and you can just play it for ages and ages it's just that by the time it comes out next year we're going to have chiseled away at it a million times over to the point where it's hopefully as perfect as it can be basically and obviously the the players the
0: the the fans appreciate that and i'm sure rage squid appreciates being able to still work on it while also having revenue coming in to justify keep working on it
1: oh yeah yeah i mean that's obviously the other side of it right like the um and as, as well just from my perspective like from from the awful marketing perspective, being able to just get it in people's hands and have people talking about it this early. Like if, we, if we'd if we waited till next year when it was 1.0, then obviously I'd have to spend this entire year going, it's really good, I promise. Uh, <laughs> no one gives a shit about that kind of thing. So uh, so yeah, um, having, having this next year, you know, to be able to go, look, this is the cool thing that we've already built and we're just going to be giving you more and for free. Um, I think that works. So,
0: yeah. Uh, talking about that, because I feel like, and I mean, you mentioned as much in like your GDC talks and stuff. Is that you're, you're kind of, in terms of social media, I feel like it's mostly it's the Mike Rose Twitter account, it's Rave of Rivendell that I'm following, hearing all my Descenders <laughs> news, not primarily Rage Squid or or any of the developers from that team. Um, and you
1: said as much as like that's kind of intentional. That you just want to keep shouting about it it just kind of ha- yeah it just kind of happens that way everything i've ever done it's just kind of happened that way um i i honestly don't know why people follow me on twitter because I, I am exceptionally annoying i know all the <laughs> people who will like me on twitter and i muted them a long time ago you know like that i am i am goddamn annoying and all i do is tweet all the time and it must be so boring um So I don't really know why people do, but uh, as long as people keep stroking my ego, then I'm just going to keep doing it, so whatever. Uh, That's just how this goes, you know. Uh, And it it works quite well for getting, you know, the games out there. So, for example, I've been, you know, doing my awful, uh, (laughs) you know, my awful sort of, um, what do you call it, like teasing the next game on Twitter. Uh, and I'm imagining people just being like, f- "Sake, Mike! G- oh my God, you're the worst." Uh, but but then I, you know, but then I'm getting emails and, and DMs from people being like, "Hey, Mike. So what is it? Because you know, if it's cool, we we might want to talk about it." And so so it it's, it works. You know, this like constant from me works. Uh, but at what cost, Dylan? At what cost? <laughs> To people's sanity, yeah. To people's to people's Twitter feeds. At what cost to them? I'm really sorry to anybody.
0: <laughs> when you sent me that DM this morning, it was like uh, uh, Mike Rose about to uh, announce Game Three next Wednesday. I was like, okay, all right, Mike. Yeah, just that's put what... it, just put it right in the username.
1: Yeah, that's. Like, I've re- yeah, I, I only started doing that a couple of weeks ago. I realized. That thing that everybody does when they go to GDC or whatever and they go like, Mike Rose flying to GDC, lol, in their their Twitter username. I was like, why don't I just use that just like as a Facebook (laughs) status update? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So now it's always my, I'm always going to write Mike Rose is doing something, but I'm going to, yeah, I've just realized it's it's free advertisement space that no one uses. You know, I'm just trying to stay ahead of the curve. That's all it is. You know, I'm going to start a trend. Yeah, just one one step ahead of Zuck. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. easy. easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, no Congress uh, interview with with Mike Rose. Guess the above board.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's called social media. It's so easy. It's just so easy. You just, you just shout a lot and people listen and that's it. Yeah.
0: I'm slowly, I'm slowly learning, learning from, from people like you, people like Callum. Oh, don't do Callum, that. No, Callum don't like- learn from
1: people like <laughs> us. I'm, I've already just described that I'm the worst. And Callum obviously is a terrible human being. Um, and uh, don't, yeah, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him ever. ever. Last time I listened to him, everything went wrong.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, I feel like you guys are getting a lot right right now. I wouldn't be following you if not for Callum. So, you know. And by you know Visa V, that's one descender's purchase because of Callum Underwood. Uh,
1: don't say that. I so you have to. That's 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 rubbing his ego. <laughs> God, no. Yeah, he's he's all right. I joke. I, I do love him, but also I hate him. So don't tell him I said that. Cut that bit out. Cut that bit out. Okay.
0: I'll be between you and me. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, I I want to talk more about the Steam Spy thing that you were talking about. Um, Because I was really interested in that. So basically, um, Steam Spy, as we know it, is no longer going to be a thing uh, because Valve changed the privacy settings on Steam by default, um, which is what Steam Spy uses to crawl, to get user information. And Mike, you, not to put words in your mouth, but you kind of think of it as a good thing, right? That, you know, because Steam Spy can be pretty inaccurate uh, and you kind of find it's a problem for people to rely on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, so, uh, I guess, yeah, it's, it's rubbed people up, it's rubs certain people up the wrong way, me saying it's a good thing. Uh, I think it's it's like it's less that it's a good thing and more that uh, I hope that it stops just some of the, the crap that has been going on recently with people just completely misusing and misrepresenting data. Uh, like I, I, I know exactly how to misuse data. Uh, <laughs> I spent a good portion of my life doing it. I, I did, you know, I did multiple courses on statistics at, at, you know, school and university and, and I know all of the ways that you can completely mess data up. Even when I was at Gamma Sutra for the first year or so, I was messing up data left, right, and center. It's so easy to just look at some data and go, "Well, this was obviously the right thing," and now I'm going to apply it to every single number, and then I'm going to post the results online. Um, I even saw the Steam Spy guy doing it consistently as well. Just and and he's an, an analysis, and that's not to put him down. It's just me saying it's incredibly easy to mess data up. Uh, I remember I, I, when I did a talk, uh, I did an article last year, I think last summer and I put a number in it and then someone tweeted at me saying, is this number, right? And how did you get this number? And I was like, well, I just used some of my own data. And, uh, then, then, then the Steam Spy guy jumped in and he was like, oh, well, actually I can use exact data from Steam Spy to work out the exact numbers. And he put up a spreadsheet of like all these numbers. And I looked at them and they just looked wrong. And I and I said to him, uh, well, hang on a minute. Is it taking into is it taking like taxes into account? And he's like, oh well, no, obviously not. I don't know what taxes from each country are and I can't do them now. Okay. Well, that's quite a big thing, actually. You get <laughs> that people get taxed. So you can't just say these are numbers because you gotta say they got taxed. And he's like, Okay, okay, I'll put that I'll put that as a star in the sidebar. And I'm like, okay. And and are you are you taking valves? take into account? Have you actually like taken the 30% off of all these numbers? Because Val takes it, th- and he's like, oh, oh, well, no, no, I haven't. I'm like, alright, well, that's kind of massive. That's nearly right. like Take those numbers and it's take 30% off, and then take maybe 10-20% to 20% off for the taxes, and all of a sudden, you've just told people that games sell at least twice as well as they actually do. Which is crazy. And then there's a whole bunch of other numbers as well that you've not thought about here. That, that will completely change it as well. It's that kind of thing where, like... Because I remember when he when he put that... He, he, like, tweeted that spreadsheet out from that conversation we were doing, like, last year. And I was like, oh, God, please don't do that. And I could just see, like, loads of people in the Google Doc appearing, hundreds of people, like, reading this data, going, oh, my God. I'm thinking, for God's sake, none of these numbers are right. You're all looking at numbers that are entirely wrong. And it's... Ugh, Yeah. It's just, it's that kind of thing, basically, where I am I am 100% certain I've got emails from people saying, like, themes Spy said that this kind of game sells really well, and here's five examples of games that are like that. So I've started making a game like that, because I think they'll sell. And that person has not taken a million things into consideration, like, for example, how genres of games come and go, and just because a game is popular right now doesn't mean it will be in a year, and... And then, oh, all those games look like they did well because they're multiplayer games, so the developer gave away crap loads of keys for it to make sure it was populated. And there's just loads of things like this where someone who's coming into the industry and is like, oh, this Steam Spy thing looks really useful, is going to completely obliterate themselves uh, and crash out of making video games because they believed some numbers, which absolutely aren't true. Um so that, that was my main problem. And I appreciate that that's bad for certain people who were using the numbers correctly. But honestly, if you were already using the numbers correctly, then at this point, you should be able to do a pretty good job of estimating, even without Steam Spy, how games are selling. Mm-hmm. Just based off of that there are still plenty of other numbers to look at. User review numbers, concurrent users, max concurrent users number of people even simple things like looking at the steam forums and uh, uh, discord servers and that kind of stuff you can look at how popular those things are and you can kind of have a grasp right someone someone emailed me yesterday saying hi Mike um, can you help me how many copies of my game do you think my game will sell <laughs> like for God's sake and they were like here are a bunch of numbers and they told me, uh, you know, we've got X number of wish lists uh, on the game. We've got X number of people in our Discord server. We've got, we had X number of beta players. And I'm like, all right, well, honestly, if you're like, I, I can't talk about your game's quality, but if you honestly think you have a good game going here you, that you think people like, from all of those numbers, I would honestly say that you're going to at least sell this many copies. Because you can do that, like that's once you have all of these numbers in place, you don't need all the data at that point. You can use those kind of things to make it still be a very rough estimate. Of course, it will be, but you could still make a pretty decent like guess at. I'm probably going to hit at least X number of sales. Um. So yeah, I I just I honestly, it's not that I'm ha- I I I think I made it out like I'm super happy that things have gone. I don't think I'm happy. It's more like. Uh, I don't think we needed it in the first place, and I and I think just I think maybe the people who are sad about Steam's by going just need to be better educated on on just you know making good estimates for the games that are out there, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and I can understand that's kind of an intimidating thing, and like having all of that data, that free data, because you know, obviously, Valve can be pretty you know, stringent about how you share your own sales numbers from what I understand. Yeah. And it just it I mean, after hearing you and then also Becca discuss it on Twitter, I was also kinda like I don't think enough people understand like even basic like statistics or just like regression analysis to understand how to apply these numbers properly. And then just the, the margin of error, like even Becca Saltzman was saying how like the margin of error was way more than an acceptable amount of margin of error. Like for Night in the Woods, she said like their numbers were way off on Steam Spy.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all stuff like this. I, like, I I just think as as nifty as Steam Spy seemed, I honestly think in the long term it wasn't worth it, and it was just. I saw you know I I just saw so many people as well who I really respect and people who have been around for a while tweeting about how great Steam Spy was for X Y and Z and I was like, it wasn't actually that great for any of the things you just described. It's just, I I don't know it it, it was just a very weird system that honestly shouldn't have existed in the first place because like you say sales data according to Steam's own terms and conditions is meant to be, you know, private to the developer. And I think it should be private to the developer. I get people saying, like, "No, now horrible developers can, can, you know, sort of hide their sales figures and all this kind of stuff. Why shouldn't they be able to? Honestly, what other like how many other industries just have public sales for absolutely everything? Can you walk into a shop and go and that product there sold this many copies this year and that product there? No one else I I understand I appreciate the like music has some of that and that kind of stuff and and you know when mo- when big blockbuster movies come out you get box office sales and yada yada yada. But the vast majority of things that are sold in the world, you do not get direct to the last 24-hour sales figures for right um so the fact you did for video games was honestly just a bit ott and yeah i if if people think i'm i'm a dick for that be wanting you know sales figures to be kept private then i'm a dick then to be honest so <laughs> And i think it's kind of like an indie an indie indie thing like
0: like other aspiring indies want to know the the current indies their sales numbers and they and they can't figure those out but like like you're saying with big blockbuster movies or stuff like the equivalent of that would be aaa games but you can find the information out either through npd numbers which aren't as accurate nowadays because of digital sales and then also uh, you can just pull up like ea's financial statements and like it's going to be listed there it's not going to be like exact number of units sold for x y or z but if you break it down into like their revenue And see what games they 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 sold that year. You could make a a rough estimate. And also, like if the game does super well, they report on that. So you could just pull up any you know Polygon or IGN or Gamespot, and they're going to be reporting like however X like you know obviously Rockstar's not going to hide that GTA Five is now what like the most successful multimedia franchise ever. And so like they 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 tout that stuff. But obviously. That kind of sales information isn't useful for indies, which I feel like was Steam Spy's primary uh, user base. Yeah, because they just they just didn't know. They just felt like they were spinning in a void and didn't have any sort of sales numbers. But no, I agree with you that like if you you can look between the lines and other places, you could find that information.
1: Yeah, it's it's not it's not too hard. It's I'm just I'm I'm a bit done with all the doomsdaying to be honest. As if as if no one's ever gonna be able to sell video games anymore now because Steam spy is gone. I hear it's the indie apocalypse, Mike. It has, it has been for a while though, hasn't it? It has been for a while. We've all been we've all been, you know, driving out in our Mad Max cars for a while, trying to take each other out with with I don't know, guitar music? I, I, I can barely remember that movie, but <laughs> but yeah, the yeah, I I don't know. people people will always react in one of two things where either they'll go, oh my god, this is amazing, or oh my god, this is horrible. And a lot of the Steam Spy stuff was, oh my god, this is horrible, without actually thinking about what the real implications were. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's all, folks. Well, it seems
0: like when people do say, oh my god, this is amazing, you can greatly leverage that into making people excited about your games and also have them join a discord server, which I feel like you've been using to, to great success with Descenders primarily. And then it sounds like you're going to use it for all your games. Now I was really curious about your strategy behind discord for all that stuff. Uh, Because, because I mean, it makes sense. Like I, I, I know, I know colleagues that have very active, uh, discord communities. Like I know a couple YouTubers that have a very, very active, uh, uh, discord, um, channel. Um, but they, they cater primarily to other creators. So the channel is just like basically a a hangout for other creators to talk in. And then, like you said, with the descenders discord, you, you kind of, you kind of attracted people in using like the, the closed beta for descenders originally. And then you just kept them around using like, uh, polls and, and different kinds of like having them pick a faction from the game so what lessons from there do you think you can adapt to the Nut tonight discord if you were to do one or to just discords in general
1: yeah so i i have a Nut tonight discord um and it's it's really it's really dumb it's really dumb <laughs> uh basically you join it and uh, we we uh, a lot of it is themed around the game Uh, We have we're having phases where in phase one people were they were put into relocation blocks uh, and then they had to type a command to go out to work the doors like as like a bouncer and then they had to work uh, in a bunch of channels that appeared that were clubs and pubs and venues and things and they were all racing to earn enough money to become the landlords of the various pubs and clubs. And then once all of the venues were filled with landlords, uh, then phase two started, where I've now sprung it on the all. that these these landlords are now uh, candidates to become <laughs> the MPs and Prime Minister of uh, of Britain. And so now everyone's voting on who they want to be the Prime Minister of the server, and then in t- in a couple of weeks we're going to have the election and someone become prime minister, and they're basically going to be able to do a whole bunch of horrible things in the server. We got them to pick regions at the start. that could either be in the north, the south, or the Midlands. And wherever they're from, people who aren't from where they are from are going to become penalized. So like, if the person who's the prime minister is from the north, then people from the south and, Man- and Midlands uh, will find themselves penalized and maybe not be able to see everything else in the server and start losing... Um, losing their permissions um so yeah I, i've already i've already got a whole bunch of horrible stuff going on uh in in that server with the next server for game number three which is called Hypnospace. uh the the game is essentially the 90s internet uh the video game and so i decided well screw it i'm gonna create the 90s internet but in a discord server so I talked to Discord for a while about how on earth I could make this possible, and somehow I did it. And this morning I've just finalised it, uh, so someone can join the Hypnospace Discord. They uh, they have to prove first that they're not a dickhead, uh, just by talking in the server a little bit, and and once one of the mods sees, okay, this guy's cool, uh, they can they will then become an editor, and they can then use commands to create web pages, uh, aka channels. Uh, in the in the server that only they can edit and only they can write on, and then they can just create their own web page on the nineties internet, which then becomes listed uh, in an, in the search engine uh, channel, so that then all the users can then basically surf uh, surf the internet uh, in the Discord server, so they can just like search for a word and it will come up with all the different channels that contain that word. Uh, and then they can just you can just sit in the discord server and look through hundreds and hundreds hopefully thousands eventually of pages that have been created um by the community um so so yeah i yeah I somehow successfully created the internet in a discord server <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's quite it's quite it's quite upsetting really that I'm able to do these things but oh well i i didn't know that it was gonna be hypnospace outlaw yeah,
0: it is, yeah. I had I had Jay on last fall talking about uh dropsy and then also hypnospace, so that's awesome. And I played a little bit of it at uh, at Mild Rumpus at GUC.
1: Yeah, well obviously there was no way that I was not gonna get involved with this game. because um, it's goddamn mental. So um yeah, I've I've basically just rolled in and I'm, you know, I'm I'm just helping him to give a bit of structure. Because Jay is obviously a mad genius, right? Uh, and which he uh, doesn't realize it. Which is like, yeah, yeah. And then Jay, and if then you're what, listening, <laughs> yeah. What what happens with mad geniuses? And I had this for years. What happens with mad geniuses is that um, they they have too many good ideas. And then when you have too many good ideas, then all the good ideas, you're just like, well, I need to do all of them, and I, they, <laughs> I need to do this, and then you know, and then things take way longer than uh, than they actually should. So I'm basically here to uh, to try and uh, not rein Jay in as such, more like help Jay to um, to, to nail down everything. Uh, and, you know, whenever he creates a really goddamn cool thing, go, oh my God, this is incredible. And, uh, and then get him to the point where, you know, the game can actually be released, uh, which, you know, which we have a plan for now, which is nice. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, as you'd expect, I'm pretty goddamn excited about that.
0: Uh, um, I mean, it's an awesome game and uh, obviously Jay's awesome and then everyone else he has helping out with him Um, yeah, it's, it's funny also like with the scope of that game too, cause it changed from its original play as a Kickstarter where I think it was like, had like a, a, a racing element to it. Or something where you're like literally racing on a highway, like a su- internet superhighway?
1: Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely evolved over the last few years. Um, and, uh, and now, uh, kind of late last year, we really locked down what it's actually going to be. And so now he's basically just gunning towards that. Um, which, you know, is exciting. Um, and, uh, and I get to I get to be involved in it now, starting from when we announce the game. Uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm very the people we've got the trailer together already. I've been showing up the trailer to some people today, and whenever I've shown people to the trailer, literally every single reaction is just the words "Oh my god," uh, and then that's kind of it. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty excited. <laughs> it's gonna be good times. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: My favorite people joining forces to make awesome things. This is great.
1: Yeah, it should be good. It should be good.
0: The uh, so going off of that, because when I had Jay on, uh, and this kind of ropes into your your GDC talk, because there's a part where you talk about you you have to ask for the things you want. You yeah. can't just expect them to happen, which is funny because that's kind of antithetical to how Dropsy the Clown happened for Jay, because he did the Kickstarter for Dropsy the Clown and then Devolver reached out to him and said like hey we're interested in publishing it and so you know his story i find really interesting because you know where he started with dropsy the clown you know years 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 ago where he was like in high school and just making like internet you know browser games using dropsy as the main character and then how it evolved over time and then eventually just a publisher picking him out, out of the crowd to be like hey we want to publish your game and obviously like, he got pressed from from the successful kickstarter uh, which led to that, but. I'm curious how that relationship between you and Jay and working on this game kind of started. And then also like, was it a traditional pitch for him or, and if we don't want to talk specifics about that, maybe talking in general about how, how games pitches usually go in general for No More Robots and how you separate the wheat from the chaff or make your decisions.
1: Yeah. So at Gamescom last year, uh, Jay came to see me. Um, We sat on some poofy chairs in the Unity booth, and he sat me down with the game, and then he started explaining it, and then after about a minute, he realized that he didn't need to explain it to me, um, because I was already making noises about it. (laughs) And then I just basically sat for half an hour and just played it, and then I said, all right, cool, yeah, okay, we should do this. And he said, okay, that's really cool. And then we did it, and um, and that's that. That was it. That was what happened. Um, it wasn't any more glamorous than that, to be honest. I saw a thing that I really goddamn liked. He decided that I seemed like someone who understood what he was doing, uh, and we've just kept chatting about it since. And then just got to this point now where uh, it makes sense to announce it because we're getting closer to the release. And the game has evolved a lot, and uh, and yeah, it's uh, it just it just makes sense basically at this point for us to um, to tell the world about our matrimony. That's awesome.
0: The do you because I've I've heard like uh, Callum or or other people that work with publishers kind of have the same boat. Where it's like when it if someone sits a game down in front of them, and then they're immediately like enamored or attracted to it. They're like, okay, we need to collaborate on this or we need to publish it. Do you feel like all of the games that have so far been published under the No More Robots label or that are going to be published fit that? Or even when you worked a tiny build, have you ever had games where it's like, oh, I'm uncertain about it. And then after maybe like a couple more talks or a couple more, you know, discussions about the game, then you feel confident about it? Or is it always like that first first impression was... Your make or break moment?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I I would honestly say the majority of the time I just know immediately. Um, whenever there has been a situation where it's been like, oh yeah, this seems cool, let's yeah, let's keep talking, and maybe I have had a little moment of uncertainty about it. Um, a lot of the time, you know, I'm mainly talking about past experiences here because you know I only started knowing Robert's like nine months ago, but. Um, but yeah, a lot of those times, then it maybe has fizzled out eventually. Um, with with these three games, with Descenders, not tonight, uh, and and Hypnospace, it was an immediate yeah. Of course, we should do this thing, um, and then just basically make it as quite happen as quickly as possible. Really, um, places I've worked in the past. Where we've just dawdled over a game for a while, even if I have a hundred percent been into it, you know, and I've and I've been the one going, guys, guys, we need to, we need to goddamn have this thing. Uh, four months later, when the talks are still ongoing, you know, and it's like, oh, we'll have a meeting about it, oh, we'll we'll have another conversation about it. At that point, you just know it's not happening anymore because there's a reason why other people are making it take longer, you know. Right. Um. So uh, I mean that's one of the benefits I guess. Well, you could say it's one of the benefits. Maybe it's maybe it's um, a double-edged sword for me because maybe I'm gonna end up, you know, signing something without thinking about it properly. Who knows? <laughs> uh, that's you know that's that's my mistake to make. But um, but yeah, it's it can, be, it can be quite frustrating when you're in those kind of situations. So it's been nice that with these three games, it's just happened uh, immediately. I've not i've just not had to think about it
0: i'm also thinking of it from a perspective of a of an indie like doing pitches or whatever and we can also have the discussion of like do you need a publisher for your game etc etc but like you know you have that first meeting um and some publishers are very good about being very upfront be like okay it's like we're gonna we're gonna pass but it's like maybe maybe indies need to go in knowing that walking into the situations like all right if, if the publisher isn't like super hot on it immediately or intrigued by it then then this isn't this this isn't going to go anywhere
1: yeah exactly and that's what and it shouldn't just be for it should be for everything so when i uh last summer when i you know walked into xbox and i said yo i've got this downhill mountain biking game and i showed it to them and talked to them about it i could immediately get vibes off them you know like i I could admit, like, the, you know, they, they were saying, oh, you know, maybe it could work with Mixer integration. I'm like, yeah, it definitely could. We can 100% do that. And they're saying, oh, maybe we can do this with it. Maybe we can do that with it. And I could tell immediately that Xbox goddamn love this game. And because of that, that has got me to a point now where in the run-up to the Xbox launch, Xbox are all over me, you know, like asking me, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? Because I know that they're as excited about the game as I am. Um I, and yeah, if you don't have that, even you know, if someone's saying, "Yeah, sure, let's do a partnership," and you can tell that they're not gonna give it as much as you're gonna give it, then in certain circumstances, it might not even be worth doing, because uh, because you know, you need everybody involved to be as crazy as you are about your own game, uh, and if if they're not even if they're going to you know, give you some money or use some social media clout to make people care about your game, if they're not going to give you everything that you want to give your own game, then maybe you should keep your options open for a little bit longer. I don't know. It's it's easy for me to say that, right? Because um, if you're in a situation where you need money for your game and someone's offering it to you, uh, then maybe taking it is is the right option, but... But yeah, I think money's one thing, but finding someone who actually gives a crap about your game is honestly just as important as that, really. Right.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'm also curious, like, if, you know, you line up, if you have enough publishers that seem kind of lukewarm on your project or prototype or demo, does that mean that it's a bad game you should no longer keep working on it or does it just mean that you know you just haven't found the right fit or maybe it's a publisherless game
1: i i mean i i like to say to people like i've seen games recently where it's like honestly this sounds like it could be a cool thing but you're making it very hard for me to see that like i i'm trying my hardest right now i'm looking at your game and i'm I'm honestly trying so hard I can see that there's something about this that's interesting, but the way you've packaged it and the way you've worded it to me and and just there and maybe the prototype like what you focused on in the prototype is just wrong sometimes sometimes people have a great idea, but they've just packaged it in the wrong way. maybe they've given it maybe they've given it a weird theme, you know, a lot of the time I'll get like someone's made something really cool and then they'll just make it a fucking medieval theme or something <laughs> that's been done to death and I'm just like look why don't you take this and go away and think what is actually going to stand out because if I looked at what you've made right now on the Steam store with the other 50 games that have come out today this ain't going to jump out at me which is a shame because I think what you're making actually has some really cool elements um, I think that can happen a lot of the time and I and I think so, so I think if you're a person who's carting a game around and you are getting a lot of oh we're going to pass on it this time kind of things. Uh, you might just want to have a really hard think about. Just literally, just step outside of it for a second and imagine to yourself. All right, I see this on the Steam store. Do I buy it? And if the genuine, honest answer is no, I don't. Then why don't you? Is it is it that the is it that the way you've packaged it is just kind of boring is it that you're not really focusing on what is actually exciting about it is it is it just the art is crap a lot a lot of the time i'll get that you know as, as harsh as that sounds um you know a lot of the time people people can be very uh, i get in situations where you know like programmers they found an artist and it's just the first person who said yes to them and uh then for years they stick with the art i mean like I don't know if you'd want me bringing him up but like my my brother had a, a situation with his with his first game uh where he had an artist on his game and for 2 years he had this art and and he loved it because you know someone had done this with him but it wasn't great and it definitely wasn't like viably commercial uh and finally enough people said to him, "Mm, not sure about this art, that he finally grit his teeth and listened and got a different artist. Uh, And that was 100% the right thing to do. Uh, And it could be hard to do that. It can be absolutely hard to really take a critical look and go, all right, you know what? Maybe I need to do something about this. Um, But yeah, yeah, it's difficult because then, of course, there's going to be loads of situations where Honestly, someone is just making something that's a bit crap. <laughs> <And> how <laughs> how are you meant to tell them that? How can you give them critical opinion on their game when when the feedback is make something else? It can it can be quite it can, it can be hard to do that. Um, but again, but then again, you don't want to you don't want people to waste the next three years of their life making something that you know is not going to sell. Um. Yeah, it's it's just a tricky one. I I just I think the main thing is just really if you're struggling to find someone to work with on your game, just just really have a, t- a step back and really actually think really hard about what it is you're building and whether you would even buy your own game.
0: Yeah, that's that's awesome advice. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Mike, the only other thing I have to ask. Yeah. Is have you been playing anything?
1: <laughs> uh yeah i have uh i don't play as many video games at the moment uh but um uh, as boring as the answer is i've been playing a lot of PUBG g recently all right yeah 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 and i've i've been playing i don't know how many hours i've played now but i've still not won I'm, really? I, yeah. It makes me really angry. I've literally got... I could give you so many screenshots of me coming second and third and fourth. I'm, I, like, I'm pretty good. I think my Xbox stats now say that, like, at least half of the time I get into the top ten. And, I, and I'm and i just sat there in this tiny circle. And then someone will just fucking get me from behind. And then that's just it. I'm just dead immediately. Didn't even know they were there. I'd looked. I looked a million goddamn times and no one was there. And all of a sudden they're there. And they clearly cheated. Uh, but like, I, I just, I, I can't finish it off. I can't finish it. And there was, there was this one game where me and another guy were like running at each other and we were the last two. And I was just like, this is the one, this is the one. And, <laughs> this then, he, it. and, and then he had me and I, I just, I screamed. Uh, it's really, yeah, it's really horrible and I hate it. It's a terrible game, but I play it every single day now. Um, you,
0: you say you play it on Xbox?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing on Xbox mainly because, um, because I play with some of the Xbox guys as well, um, some of the some of the Xbox UK team, they're all super into it as well, um, and they're all as bad as I am. So uh, yeah, we might start streaming it actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that might be quite funny. Uh, I bought God of War today, well, I say I bought God of War, I've I've reserved God of War, i got to go pick it up later. Oh
0: shit, oh yeah. shit, it's God of yeah. War Day!
1: It is God of War Day, yeah. Oh. Yeah, and like, people just, I, I've never given a crap about God of War. I tried to play like, the God of War remaster at some point on PS3, and I was just like, this isn't my kind of game. It's like a hack and slashery style thing. I don't play these kind of games, but then obviously when everyone goes, "Hey, this is one of the games of the generation," you're like, "Go on, then." I guess I'll play it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I gotta go pick that up today. Uh, but I imagine those are the two things that I'm gonna be playing a lot of. Uh, I also wanna. I, I saw that um, Spy Party came out on Steam. Yeah, finally. Last week. Yeah, I bit. Be- I played Spy Party. Goddamn knows how long ago. Uh, I've still got an account. I've got, like, you know, I bought it, uh, like, five years ago. Yeah. And I'm assuming those accounts are going to turn into Steam accounts. But, yeah, I, I was thinking I might try and stream some of that at weekends as well, because I really, really loved Spy Party. Um, and I'm imagining, because I haven't played it in, like, five years, it means it's going to be quite an interesting experience for me playing it again now. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably pick up some of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I've just, I've dropped so many games recently in the last couple of months. I played like 30 hours of Persona 5. I was so into it. In fact, no, I played like 100 hours of Persona 5. It just felt like and then, 30... and then I just, and then I just, then I just dropped out of it. And then I was playing Assassin's Creed Origins and that seemed pretty cool. And then I just dropped out of that. I never finished games. I'm just not a finisher. That's why I can't get a chicken dinner as well. I just got. I can't. I get to the end. I'm like, all right. Well, I've had my fill. and That's just it. So, yeah, I I put about 110
0: hours last year in a PUBG, uh, on the PC. Um, so if you ever switch to PC, let me know. And we can uh, well, we can I've team play, up. I've played it on
1: PC, but yeah. Okay. I, I just I, I do it on Xbox now as well because you know on Xbox a lot of people are idiots as well. So.
0: I would, I would like to play it on a console,
1: but I don't own an Xbox this generation. God, the, the buttons are crazy, mate. The buttons on the <laughs> Xbox version, all over the place. I mean, once you learn them, it's like anything, isn't it? You learn the buttons and then you just know them then. But for like the first few hours, I was just like, oh, what is going on? You're like, oh, how do I heal myself? Well, what I do is I, I move through the heal menu first by pressing down on the D-pad multiple times. And then when I find the thing that I need to use, I hold down on the D-pad to use it. Oh, okay, obviously. uh, It's, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty strange, <laughs> to be honest.
0: I mean, it's a hard thing. Like, so PUBG was probably the first first-person shooter I ever played on a PC because I was probably predominantly like a Halo kid growing up or Call of Duty. And, you know, you have people, you know, PC Master Race people being like, oh, the only proper way to play a first-person shooter is all the PC. And it's like... But the advantage of of playing a shooter on the console is that it's got a lower barrier to entry, and you don't have to, like, know a billion different keys on the keyboard to, like, do these intricate things. And then, and, like, the problem PUBG is having, like you said, it's, like, now adapting a PC-first shooter back to a, a console is like, you know, a Sisyphean task.
1: I I like I like shooters on PC on on console. I I used to be I used to be one of those people who said like, "Eh, shooters on PC are dumb." Uh but I I think I think shooters on 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 console are cool. Um I used to play a lot of Killzone. Uh Kill Killzone multiplayer uh on console was so goddamn satisfying. Obviously as a kid as well, I played so much like Perfect Dark and GoldenEye. Yeah. They they were the they were the real they were the real first person shooters. People on PC <laughs> were like, mm, I'm playing Quake and I'm like, I don't give a shit. I've got perfect dark, you idiot. I got this golden gun, watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I get to I get to run around as oddlaw and people can't can't shoot me. So screw you. Um so yeah. Shoot shooters on console. I'm always down with. <laughs> awesome. Well,
0: Mike, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for talking to me about
1: everything. No worries. Look at that. We're we're nearly on exactly an hour. Look at that. Perfect timing. It's beautiful. <sighs> you better end it quick so we hit it. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, where can people find you? Oh, God. Uh, all over the internet. I don't know. Uh, I'm at Rave of Ravendale on Twitter. That's about it, really.
0: And well, if you like this podcast and you like to listen more, uh, you could check us out on twitter at ward video games or online at ward games.com or just search Wardcast wherever you might listen to podcasts mike thank you again no worries thank you for having me uh you're welcome um and i'm so excited to hear that <laughs> hypnospace is going to be published through no more robots yeah it's like the, the, the so awesome <laughs> it, should <laughs> it should be, be good, good. It should be good but uh i'll, I'll catch you later mike Okay, okay. All right. right. Cheerio. (laughs) Pip, pip. Cheerio. (laughs) Pip, pip.